0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. The value that I want to look at today is one that I believe in very deeply because it's something that I have experienced in my life. Something that somebody, when I was younger, took the time to say, Sam, I see something in you and I want to help you pursue that thing that God has put on your life. And in a lot of ways, that has been what has led me to where I am today. It's been this thought of empowerment. Okay, so today what we're going to talk about is that we want to be an empowerment community that creates an empowerment culture. We want to be a community of believers that is not just about who we can be, but what can we pour into those around us. We want to be a church that strives to empower those around us to walk in their God-given identities, to pursue what he's placed inside of you. We want to do this from the top down and we want to do this across the board that we are looking for opportunities to empower and to advance those who are around us. Is anyone else in agreement with that this morning? I don't know if you've heard this before, but I'll just say it just in case you haven't ever heard it. There is something that God has placed on your life that someone else needs. Has anyone ever heard that before? Anywhere? Maybe like 20 times in the past couple of weeks. There is something that is on your life that God has placed there that somebody else needs. And if that's the case, then we want to be active in bringing that to the forefront and also in bringing it out of the people around us. And this is something that is so important because this is what God has called us to do. This is the example that Jesus gave us. And so this morning we're going to look at a passage in Luke chapter 10, starting in verses 1 and 2, and we're going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. It says in chapter 10, verse 1, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself Was about to go. If your Bible says 70, don't worry about it. The important part is that Jesus sent these individuals out into the communities to prepare the way for where he was going to go. Verse 2 says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest into his harvest the first thing that we take note of in this passage of course is that the harvest is plentiful there is a need in our world in our communities, in our church in our families for the thing that only Jesus can bring to light and to make possible there is a world out there that needs more of Jesus Does anyone think there is a shortage of people who need Jesus in the world? There's a shortage of a lot of things right now. A shortage of of needing Jesus is not one of them. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. You see, the harvest being plentiful is our why. It's our motivation. Why do we pursue after God? Why do we desire to go deeper in Him? I would say number one, it's because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The relationship we have, the relationship we desire and we are in pursuit of is because of who he is, period, end, full stop. But out of the abundance of that relationship, as the overflow of what he has done for us, we then have the ability to go out into the world to preach the gospel and to bring the good news of what he's done inside of us so that others are able to walk in it as well. This is our motivation. This is our why. And when he says in this that when, when Luke writes down that he appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, this word that he uses for appointed is pretty important. Now, I've practiced this word a little bit. I don't know if it sounds anything like what someone in Greek would say. But the Greek word for appointed is numi. If you do it fast, then it kind of works sometimes. You just got to run through it. And what, Exactly, anadikenoumi. Good job. All right, so the definition is to lift up and to show, to proclaim a person's appointment to an office. So what this means to me is it's not just that Jesus called these individuals... That he set them apart and he sent them, but he appointed them and he spoke something over them as he was doing it. This word is not just to appoint, but it's also to speak something, to declare, and to proclaim something. So when Jesus spoke over these individuals and said, I want you to go and to prepare the way and to make it possible for them to hear the word and to be prepared in their hearts for me to show up, he was saying, I'm saying something over you and in the words that I am speaking, I'm giving you, I'm equipping you, and I'm empowering you to do what I've called you to do. My question this morning is this. What has God spoken over your life what has god called you to what has he appointed you to do what has he said son or daughter this is who you are this is your identity and this is what i want you to walk into we spent the last two weeks talking about identity and to me really i keep going back to it because it's so significant we have to know what god has said over our lives We have to be listening to his voice and what he is saying. We have to value the gift of prophecy. To be able to hear what God is saying. To be able to hear the words that he is speaking over us. To come out of agreement with false identities and to come into agreement being empowered by the word that Jesus has spoken over our lives. You see, as an empowerment culture, we want to continue to speak his words and his truth. So when God was speaking these words, when Jesus spoke this over them, it wasn't simply a call to do something, but it was the empowerment that they needed in order to accomplish it. He was doing this both for those who were listening, and I truly believe that he was also doing this so that the kingdom of darkness would take notice of what was about to happen. When God speaks something over your life, It's for you, but it's also because there is an expectation that by you walking in and fulfilling your God-given purpose, that the kingdom of darkness better take notice, because when Jesus is in you, when he lives inside of you, when he's called you into something, it is to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to speak the word, but it's to be able to tear down the assignments and the word of the enemy that he may have spoken over those who you're ministering to. It's for our homes, it's for our workplace, it's for our community, it's to be able to go in and say, enemy, no more. You've had the ability to speak for far too long. You've had the ability to cause others to walk in agreement with your lies for too long. But I'm gonna speak the truth of what God has called me to speak. And I'm gonna walk in the freedom that he's called me to bring to others. We wanna be a church that walks in the empowerment of our identity and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We go on to verse 2. It says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Okay, so they've been called. They've been empowered to go and do something. And now He says, pray. I want you to seek. I want you to remember who is the one giving you the ability to go into these places, to be able to walk in the identity that I'm giving you. Pray. But don't just pray for yourself. He says, pray for laborers to go out into the harvest field. What I see in this is that the the harvest is so big, that the task is so big that you're not going to be able to do it on your own. That there needs to be others who are going to go with you. Once again, if we are an empowerment culture, we do so, we, we walk in this identity with the understanding that there are people around us that God has called us to partner together with, to walk together with, because the task at hand is too big for me, and it's too big for you, and it's too big even for this church. And so we need to be moving in a direction where we are bringing others alongside of us to be able to walk in our identity as a church, as a body, and as the body of Christ. Pray for those that would go into the harvest, because it's his harvest. It's his harvest. It's not my harvest. It's his harvest. He is the one creating the divine appointments, creating the situations that we can walk into to be able to to see hearts change. It's his harvest. So pray. He then goes on in verses 3 through 12. He gives them some encouragement, tells them what they're going to do. And by the way, by encouragement, I mean he says, I'm going to send you out as lambs amongst the the wolves. Not so much encouragement. If I'm standing around them and I'm like the one who just didn't make the cut, and I'm listening into Jesus and he's like, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves, I'm like... Thank goodness. He then goes and says, don't bring anything with you. Just go out. Trust that I'm going to provide for you. Go out into these places and and trust that I'm going to make a way. Don't bring any provisions. I got you in this. The thing I think about, though, when I'm reading this is very often we're believing for and desiring the power of God to work inside of us. We're in pursuit. This is one of our, our core identities that we're going to talk about going forward. We're a people in pursuit of his power. But are we willing to do what it takes in order to see his power at work in our lives? Are we willing to be the lamb, the lambs or the sheep going out amongst the wolves? Are we willing to be uncomfortable in order to be able to see his provision in our lives? Can't answer that question for you here today, but it's one that I'm asking myself quite often. So we go on and and we see in Luke chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, he says, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. I like how Jesus says this. He doesn't say, Pray for the sick believe that the sick will be well. What does he say? Heal the sick. Heal the sick. He sets the expectation here. Heal the sick. You're not going to be able to do it on your own, but I'm empowering you. I'm calling you to go do this thing. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of the heaven is near. Kingdom of heaven is near. Like I'm calling you to do this thing and I want them to know the kingdom of heaven is coming. God is calling us to go out as well, but I have to tell you, it's not that the kingdom of heaven is near, that when Jesus came, when he went to the cross, when he rose again, the kingdom of heaven is now here. And that's an important distinction to make when we are going out into the world that God has called us to go into, to recognize that the kingdom of heaven is now here, and we are the ones carrying it. We are the ones meant to go out and to expand the domain of the king. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's the domain of the king. We are meant to walk forward and to carry that with us. See, Jesus doesn't tell them, go and start a church either. He doesn't say, go and I want you to go into the synagogue and I want you to go into the temple and and do everything in the four walls there. He says go into the world Go and do We are called to be equipped in the church But we're not meant to just stay here We're meant to hear the word of God To be encouraged to step into our identities And to take the church Take the, what God has invested in us And to bring it to the world If we are going to be an empowerment culture It, it means that we have an understanding That it doesn't just stay here I love coming to church. I love seeing every one of you on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night. I love being around you guys. It's amazing. But it's not meant to just be here. It's meant to go beyond this into the world, into the communities, into the world around us. We go to verse 9. He tells us the kingdom of God has come near to you. Tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, this naturally comes out of us when we understand who we are. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter is speaking this to the Hebrew people, but through what Jesus did on the cross, who knows that we have now stepped into the blessing of Abraham, that we have been grafted in, and so when he says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, he's talking about you and me, that we have entered into that place of understanding our identity In Christ, And he says, therefore, take what you've been given and then proclaim it to the world around you. Walk in the empowerment of the kingdom. Take what I have said, take what I have done, and bring it to everyone else. And apparently, they did a pretty good job at doing just this. We get to verse 17. It says, then the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Can you hear the excitement in their voice? Lord, even the demons were subject to you, to us, in your name. The thing is, I don't see anywhere in here where Jesus said to go out and cast out demons. He said, I want you to go heal the sick. But there's something about being next to Jesus where, where we start to take some risks, and maybe where things start to happen that we didn't expect— And maybe the the pathway to the healing was the casting out of the demons, understanding that there is a spiritual realm, understanding that there is a kingdom of darkness, and that we are called to go into it, take our authority, and to overpower it with the blood of Jesus. He did say to them in chapter 9, he said to the 12, and maybe they were just listening, he called the 12 together in verse 1 and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Jesus said, I want you to take your authority that I have given you and to to actually go up against the kingdom of darkness and to bring the kingdom of light. So then Jesus said to them in verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He said, what you saw, these demons being cast out, this was a manifestation of this that Satan was cast out like lightning. And when you spoke the word, and when you walked in your identity, and when you saw the truth, that's what happened. Those demons were cast out just like Satan was cast out from heaven. And then he says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. And nothing shall hurt you. He said, You're excited about this. I can see that the demons listened because of my name. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. It's not just that you're going to see healings. It's not just that demons are going to be cast out. But he said, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all that they represent and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. He was doubling down on it. You see, there was an excitement that was growing. There was an excitement of what Jesus was doing. When we are in empowered, there is an excitement that we walk into. He then says, however, or nevertheless, I need you to keep the main thing, the main thing here. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Understand that the main thing here is not that you are just walking in your identity. Understand who I am. Understand who I've called you to be. Understand that ultimately at the end of the day, it's you and me in this relationship where you are going to spend eternity in heaven. All the other stuff is amazing and you should be excited about it and you should ask for more and you should go after it. But remember the main thing is the main thing. Who is your source? Who is our source? Who is it that gives us the ability to step out in excitement and expectation for what he's going to do? Who is it that gives us the ability to be obedient, to say yes, and to see the results of the miraculous in our life? It's Jesus. He is our source. Today, we're going to just close with just these three things. I just wanted to to talk about the empowerment, but I also just want to say that there are a couple of things that often... Become pitfalls for us that stop us from entering into the empowerment of our identity. Number one is this word disqualification. Disqualification. What's one of the biggest things that stops us from being empowered and saying yes to what Jesus has for us? It's where we have been disqualified or we disqualify ourselves because of our past, because of the lies that we believe because of the feelings of inadequacy but it's also because of the things that people have said to us we're talking about being an empowerment culture but i'm fully aware that through your life there may have been times where someone spoke something over you that was not true that even this happens in the church that you're excited to do something and someone pushes you down and says nope that doesn't fit our mold. It doesn't fit who we are. This, this is not something we're comfortable with. This happens a lot. And then we take this and we say, okay, well, I guess God's not using me. We disqualify ourselves. You see, that's not the culture that we're going to be here. That's not what we're going to do. And then there's this part of it where we have this poverty mindset Where we feel like there's only so much to go around, and so somebody else gets recognized for something, and then we feel a certain kind of way about it. Because we feel like, well, there's only so much, and they just got some of it, so what's left for me? That's not an empowerment culture. That is not who we're going to be as a church either. We want to be the ones who are going to stand around each other and encourage one another and speak the truth over one another that we're going to be the best friend in the superhero movie. That's like, hey, you're going through a tough time. You may have forgot who you are, but you can do this thing. I want you to step up. I want you to understand what you have inside of you to go after it. There, there are too many lies being spoken from the enemy for us to partner together with those things and to step into any kind of jealousy or to step into any kind of, of gossiping or any kind of things where we're speaking something that isn't coming from the kingdom. We're going to be an empowerment culture, and we are going to listen to the voice of the king for ourselves and for those around us. All right, the second thing today is fear. Familiar with fear. Okay, Jesus calls out the 72 and they go. They say yes. Even when he says, I'm sending you out like lambs or or sheep amongst the wolves, they still go. But we know in the life of Jesus and in his ministry, there were many times where people fell away. They said, this teaching is too hard for me. I I can't bear this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back over here. This was exciting for a little while. I, I was, I was hyped up about it. I was ready to go, but now I'm not so sure. And fear comes in. Often fear is the thing that wants to come into us and to say, well, I know that you got excited about what God was going to do, but but is it really possible? Is this really going to happen? And and what is this going to require of me? We allow fear to exist and we empower the liar over the king who speaks the truth. And fear comes in. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm not saying that following Jesus means there's never going to be any fear. We know perfect love casts out all fear. We know Jesus came to bring us peace that passes all understanding. But sometimes fear is present. But guess what? We still get to make a decision in the midst of the fear to partner together with the empowerment of Jesus and to say yes to what he's calling us to do. We can't allow fear to be the thing that puts us back into the place of bondage back into the place of inadequacy just because fear exists does not mean that we are not empowered it just means that we have a choice to make all right the third one today we're not going to go deep into this one today but but next week we probably will i call this the mountain of self This is where there have been parts of us that have been able to grow and we can't seem to get around them. We can't seem to get past them. We can't seem to get over them. Whether it's desires or passions or, or things that we have just allowed to exist or, or maybe we don't want them to exist but we just can't seem to, to get past those things. It's the mountain of self that doesn't allow us to see Him because we're too busy looking at our own stuff. We have to be aware of the places where we have allowed our own stuff to cloud out and to distract us from who he has called us to be. These are the mountains that need to be moved. And I seem to remember Jesus saying something about speaking to the mountains and then being cast into the sea, right? So, so there, there is something that we have the ability to do even in these moments. I want to ask if the worship team would come up here this morning. You know, I, I think it's important to recognize the pitfalls and the places that stop us from being empowered. And, and this is not all of them. But this is what I want to end with here this morning. There are things that have prevented us from saying yes fully to Jesus. There are people that seemingly have stood in the way that have not empowered us, that have not been those who have championed us, that have spoken lies. There are these things that exist. But there's one thing that I really want to focus on here today to be able to overcome any of those places. It's the places where we develop a deeper love for Jesus. And I know that sounds simple. And I know it's, it's not always easy in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the things we're facing. In the midst of the things that we've believed about ourselves, I know it's not always easy, but the thing to me to get over that mountain of self is to go deeper into Jesus. The thing that I know to be able to come against the words that have been spoken is to go deeper in an understanding of Jesus and the authority that he's given us. The thing that casts out the fear is the perfect love that comes from Jesus. I want to talk more about this next week, but I wanted to read this passage found in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is... Quoting Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment that is greater than these. Love Jesus with everything in you. And love the people that he has placed around you and that he's called you to go out to. Love him with everything you have and then be obedient to go out because the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, that He is, he's calling us in this time to love him, to put aside the things of the past, to say yes and to go out into those places and to love well like only we can do when we know who he is. But it doesn't stop here because there's this other part verse 32 it says the scribe said to him you are right teacher okay this guy's trying to tell Jesus that he's right who is this guy you have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely He said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I don't know what it is about this, about that, that interaction that just speaks so deeply to me. He says, you're not far. Like this guy thinks he has the answers. He thinks he's teaching Jesus something, but, but he has recognized something it's not about the sacrifices it's not about being perfect it's not about doing it all right it's about loving God and loving Jesus well and then using that to love others and he said you're close I feel like Jesus was almost surprised that that was possible and he said you're close I want to say this this morning you might feel like you're far you might feel like you're not close. You're not, even, you're not even in the same ballpark. But Jesus looks at you and he says, you're close because if you know who I am, if you say yes to me, if you desire to love me, if you make that decision, you're close and I want to take you the rest of the way. I want to take what, what I've placed inside of you. I want to take the places where you've said yes. And I want to take you the rest of the way. I want to ask if you would stand here with me this morning. Jesus has called us to do something that is greater than we could ever imagine there is something that is ahead of us that is greater than we have the capacity to understand there is a world that needs him that needs his love and needs men and women who would walk in their identities and be who he has called them to be would we say yes this morning would we say yes to Jesus this morning Jesus, I want to love you with all that I am, and I want to love the people that you placed around me.